Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God, and you are with Lyle and Mon. We are about to have another clue for our quiz, which is getting easier by the minute. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number, and a prize will be coming your way if you can get the right answer. Yes, indeed. What is it right here today, Mon? Okay, so it's a, it's a What Creature Am I quiz, and the next clue is, this is one of the titles given to the devil in the book of Revelation. Yes. Mm. Give us a call if you know the answer. We will see the prize. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. A number of names and titles is given. Don't write the wrong one down as I did earlier on in the quiz. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote down one of the names of the devil, but not the right one. He had, he does have a selection of names. Not as many as God does. No. Yeah. But he's got a few. He's got a few. It's interesting how the major characters of the great controversy have a number of different names. Uh, yeah. Mostly Jesus, uh, God the Father, uh, Satan and the Antichrist. That's right. Have That's a whole right. bunch of different names. Mm-hmm. All right, so where are we up to in the book of Acts? We are talking about racism. We were looking at the story of Cornelius mm-hmm. and uh, and how Peter um, had a bit of a had a bit of a I want to say epiphany, but it was actually a vision, and uh, and now he's having to be uh, he's being questioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the people about it. So, yeah. hey, now I've got a question for you. In the United States, which of course is a country that's um, kind of renowned for its racism. Yep. Uh, and even you know, to be honest, when I travel to the United States, I find it quite different to Australia as far as oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. racism goes. Yep, same. So when you look at American politics, mm. and you've got seventy percent of white evangelicals who vote for Republican candidates, and seventy five percent of black evangelicals vote for uh, Democratic um, candidates. Mm. Is that racist? Is that a sign of racism? Is that a, you know, why do we have, why, why, why are, why are, is it because whites are being racist or blacks are being racist or has race got nothing to do with this? It's a really good question. It's a really good question. You got a smug look on your face. I don't know. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just tossing it out there like. Yeah, it is a good question. Sometimes I wonder, um, I have, I have, I have noticed that. And I wonder what the policies are of the um, people that the black people are voting for, whether or not it has, I don't know, some benefits to them or something. I'm not sure. But it's definitely something we should look at. I wonder whether no one's ever mentioned it before. You'd think over there they'd mention something about it. Yeah, well, I, I guess you do hear. Um, yeah, I'm sure in the US they have commentary on it and probably people have read written books about it. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, of course, is coming up at the moment is that um, a lot of the African Americans are claiming that it is a, uh, a symptom of racism because uh, Trump is renowned for, you know, making you know um, supposedly racist comments, and so therefore they're supporting a a racist um, regime, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. to speak, and so therefore um, they see that it's a racist vote. To vote for him means you're racist, basically. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know that I'd go so, that, so far to say that. I, I I tend to think that you know a lot of people the way they vote they vote by policy and they and they vote by you know for for instance here in Australia you know we have a system where you don't actually vote for the prime minister. Mm. You vote for you know the, uh, the the liberal or the labor, the right or the left. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think it's probably the same in the US. You've got a lot of people who have grown up voting for the right. A lot of people who have grown up voting for the left. They're not going to change that unless something really, really drastic takes place. 
and so they're not necessarily voting for racism. They're just, you know, they're a Republican voter, so they, rep- they, they vote right. That's the way they've always done it. That's the way they always will because philosophically, deep down, they believe that's better for the country, better for the economy, better for, um, you know, world politics, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame that the representative yeah, at that time, that's aka right. the president, is a bit of a... You know, and I think when you look at the last election in the United States that, you know, you ended up with two candidates that nobody really wanted that much. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and there was that whole vote for nobody campaign. Yeah, which was, you know, that's pretty strong. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything quite mm-hmm. so strong like, like that before. Yeah, and that was, I remember one of the spokespersons for the vote for nobody campaign was uh, Harrison Ford. And I think uh, since then he's actually gone into politics himself, so... Now you can vote for Harrison, Harrison Ford, maybe. You can, you can vote for Indiana Jones himself. <coughs> yes, Indiana Jones for PM. Well, it wouldn't be the Not first PM. time an actor... President. wouldn't be the first time an actor won that... No, well, the um, I mean, Donald Trump is um, not exactly an actor, but well, not that far from it because he is a uh, a Hollywood celebrity. Um, he does like reality TV yeah, rather than actor. I, I thought wasn't Ronald Reagan an actor? Yes, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I've seen a couple of Ronald Reagan movies. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh? Yep. I can't say I have. There you go. Anyway, let's go to our story. We uh, began by looking at uh, racism in. The Christian church, right at the very beginning, you mm-hmm. had racism between people who spoke different languages and who were of the same race. Then we looked at racism where there was actually different races. We've gone through the story of Cornelius. Uh, this created a major shock to the Christian church. They really couldn't get their head around the fact that Peter had uh, gone into the home of a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Not only had he gone into the home of a Gentile, he had eaten food in that home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just like mind-boggling to the church at this time. Then he had preached the gospel to the Gentiles, and what's the point in that? Then they had received the Holy Spirit. Imagine that, how that melted their brains. Yeah, yeah. And then Peter had baptized them. He hadn't just touched a Gentile. He'd actually baptized a whole bunch of Gentiles. And so this was like, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is just next level, like what on earth is going on here? Uh, trying to understand it. And so they, you know, Peter goes to Jerusalem. He sits down with the church leaders. They're discussing this backwards and forwards. Peter's the kind of person who, you know, we know that he suffers terribly, terribly from peer pressure. So you can imagine he's got all of these people who are his best friends who are saying, you know, Peter, please explain. Mm -hmm. And it would tend to make you feel a bit intimidated and, um, you know, uh, a, a bit under pressure if you were that kind of a person. And so Peter's like, well, this is what happened. God told me to go in a vision. God told me this same thing three times in a vision that I shouldn't call these people unclean. So I went, and when I went, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if they have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by God, then why should we withhold baptism uh, by water? You, you know that we perform. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so this is this is this is Peter's defense. And so then they've praised God and they're like, "Oh, well, we just what, what can we do? What can you say? What can you how how do you argue against a decision that God has clearly made?" And so they praise God for it. But one of the things I think that we find is that they were there was a very high level of skepticism. And it seems as if they believed that this was an exceptional case, that God had made an exception in the state of Cornelius. And if they look back through their history, they could probably find a few different places where God makes an exception. It's true. And so um, it's it's almost like, okay, we've got an exception here, uh, but what are we going to do with it? But then, of course, when you have an exception, where do you draw the line? Mm. 
Yeah, but they're thinking that there should be a line drawn sometime soon. And so then you've got this situation where persecution is driving the uh, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, you know, all over the place um, to many different parts of the world. They're taking the gospel with them. And because they're taking the gospel with them, it, they can't help. It's impossible for it not to rub off in some way at some level on um, on Gentiles, and so more and more Gentiles are coming to Christ. So what do you do with this? Well, if Peter can baptize Gentiles in uh, Caesarea with Cornelius, then why can't we baptize Gentiles in Antioch or anywhere else in the world? Yeah. And so now you've got other Gentiles that are being baptized and the church leaders are just like, this is getting way out of control. What are we going to do here? How do we control this situation? Where do we draw the line? You know, they, they realize that when Peter baptized Cornelius and his family, they stepped onto a very, very slippery slope and they are sliding very, very rapidly down that slope. And it's like, how do we solve this? Which uh, really leads us to our story for today, um, or a continuation of our story. Let's um, continue reading here in Acts chapter 11, verse 19 um, and onwards, please. 19 and onwards. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of those these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. There you go. Okay, so here we have this whole situation where, yes, they have stepped on this slippery slope and now they are rapidly sliding down it and Gentiles are, are coming to Christ. And so they send Barnabas up to Antioch to find out, you know, what's going on here? What, mm-hmm. let, 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 we, we need to get a handle on this. We need to, uh, we need to rein it in. We he need was to, the fixer. We need, we need to get some con- control here. But Barnabas was just, you know, as it says here, he was a godly man. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He goes there. He sees all of these Gentiles. And rather than being concerned about it, and worried like the leaders in the Jerusalem were, like, what are we going to do here? You know, how are we going to set limits on this? He just praises God. He's like, this is fantastic. This is the best thing I've ever seen. He's like, you know what? We need more of this. So he goes to uh, to uh, to get um, Saul, who later becomes Paul, and uh, to set up a whole ministry uh, ministering to Gentiles and missionary work to the Gentiles, which is the foundation of why you and I are Christians today. Amen. Because we're Gentiles. That's right, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it, it is. It is all happening there in the early church, um, and so that leads us then along to uh, what takes place a few chapters later in Acts chapter fifteen. 
So we're going to go to Acts chapter 15 because this this continues on. You've got um, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas actually stays there in Antioch. He's supposed to go back and report to the elders in Jerusalem, but he stays there in Antioch because he's found a really, really ripe mission field. People are giving their lives to God. You know, he has been sent out as a fisher of men and the fish are biting. And so while ever the fish are biting, he is not going to lose that fishing ground. If you've ever been fishing one where the fish are just really biting and you just don't yeah, want to go home. Yeah, you don't go home. You don't go yeah, home. yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Even when the boat is full of fish and there's like more fish here than I can ever eat, but it's very tempting just to tr- keep fishing. It's true, right? You yeah. just kind of keep <laughs> going. Gonna keep pulling them in. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, I could give one to my neighbor. Oh, I could give one to the postman. You just keep going, keep going. Keep right. going. I know what you mean. <laughs> and then you do go home and fill everybody's freezers yeah, with that's fish it. thereafter. That's it. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Acts chapter 15. Let's go to Acts chapter 15 because at this particular point it is completely out of control and the disciples feel that we need to sort this out. We need to find out what is what is God's direction here. What are we going to do about this? How are we going to solve this whole problem? You know, particularly Paul and Barnabas who are just, you know, raising, you know, massive Gentile churches all over the place. Why don't you read for us verse 1 and 2, please? While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagree with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, so see what you can see what's happening here. The, the church in Jerusalem is like, we need to get a handle on this. This is out of control. Mm-hmm. We've stepped on a slippery slope when we baptized uh, Gentiles with Peter in the story of Cornelius. Paul and Barnabas have now taken this precedent and run with it. Mm-hmm. And now they're baptizing Gentiles all over the place. And now they're freaking out. And now they're freaking out. And so they go to Antioch where this work is centered and they they go there with a solution. <laughs> they think. Yes, they have, a, they have a solution. It's like, okay, we can, we can solve this problem. It's an easy problem to solve. All we have to do is to circumcise the Gentiles. That then makes them Jews and therefore... Um, they will be allowed to become followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't this always the way? Somebody does something innovative and progressive and suddenly some little naysayer comes up with some policy to put a stop to it or to at least like <laughs> stick, a, stick a spanner stick in Stick a spoke in the world. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's too hard. We can't do it. Here's some know. red tape for you. Go and get circumcised. Then, you know. <laughs> it's a little bit more than red tape right there. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> yeah exactly. And uh, you know why did it only apply to? Well, anyway, let's not even let's not even go down this path. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to Galatians. Hold your finger here. Go to Galatians, and what we're going to find out is how did the church actually work their way through this process in a way that they were able to achieve unity? And this is an important lesson for all of us to learn because this was a really, really divisive issue. I mean, our church faces some really divisive issues at times. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, all ch- churches face some very, di- very divisive issues at times. This was probably the most divisive issue that the church ever faced because you can tell when you read through the writings of Paul in Romans and Galatians and in the book of Acts and so forth and Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, this is an issue that is coming up again and again and again and again and just doesn't seem to go away because people won't just accept, you know, what God has, the direction that God has outlined for them and get on with the job. Yeah. You know, they've held it, they they hold this Jerusalem council, they make a decision on it and some people like the decision, some people don't like the decision. That's fine. 
There's nothing wrong with that because you don't have to like every decision that is made, but just get on with the job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Quit talking about it. Quit fighting over it. It's done. It's dusted. Move on. That's right. Amen. Where are we up to? Romans, Galatians. We were heading up to Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. 2, verse 11. Let me find that for us. Here we go. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. This is up to Paul Paul confronting Peter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. This is this is this is Paul, and I'm so thankful that Paul stood up to this yes, situation because absolutely. it seems like he's the only one who's actually standing up to it. Yeah, because here is Peter going and doing a Peter again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, denying you know. Christ with the with the rooster crowed, and here he is denying you know the vision that he had, and oh, Peter. <laughs> Open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> this is the story of Peter's life. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's put this whole situation that was we have it together here. And of course, Paul is looking back on it. It's past history now. It is something that has taken place in the past. And he's just talking about, you know, what happens. And so you've got these representatives. They come from James. So James is the leader of the church at this time. Peter is not the leader of the church. Some people would um, argue that he was, but the Bible is very clear that he was not. Um, James is the leader of the church. Things are getting out of control. Church in Jerusalem, James, you know, he sends people up to Antioch. Let's go get this thing sorted out. Let's um, let's rein this whole situation back in. Those people that he sends promote circumcision. Circumcision is the solution. Turn these people into Jews. Once they become Jews, then there's no problems whatsoever at all. Um, you know, they're just Jews. They're no longer Gentiles. And so, therefore, they will be allowed to become a follower of Christ. That's so messed up. They turn up and Peter, who should know better because it was Peter who had the vision. It was Peter that went into the homes of the Gentiles. It was Peter who defended this situation. It was Peter who's, who has seen the Holy Spirit uh, fall on the Gentile people in great power. Peter has experienced all of this and yet it is Peter who turns around and is like, uh, oh, these representatives are here from... Um, from uh, from 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 James, um, I don't want to look bad right now. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, I think what I'll do is, uh, well, I won't eat with Gentiles anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he separate, and even Barnabas, like the nicest man on the planet, he gets drawn into this as well. It goes to show how deeply seated the racism was um, in the early church at this particular time, and that it leaves only Paul. Only Paul is the one who is standing up in defense of the Gentiles and he does it publicly and he rebukes Peter to his face. As he should have been done. That's right. Okay, so we're going to move on. This is uh, Selah with his eye is on the sparrow. Shadows come 
Was Sila with his eye is on the sparrow here on Faith FM? Do we have another? Do we, do we have another clue? Yeah, we have. What, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm just reading through a list of 129 ways to get a husband from the 1950s that I, I uh. promised I'd share with you tomorrow. It's just so funny. I okay, can't. Can you give wait. us a tidbit just to maybe share one of them that tickles <sighs> your fancy there right now? Okay, or do you I, have to put them the all one in the that pocket? I was laughing at was number 21. Get a job demonstrating fishing tackle at a sporting goods store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they get so way, hilarious. way worse. Oh my goodness! I've been trying to convince my wife to get a job at 
a um, Bunnings. No, Bunnings Auto Parts. BCF. You know, because staff discount, guys. Come well, on. You better get, staff she might discount. meet some nice fellas there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so gold. They're so gold. Tune in tomorrow morning uh, during the good news segment. I'll be. This is kind of. And this is a legit article. So it was actually a woman who found a um, a magazine, a copy of McCall's magazine from 1958, and she um, posted online this the the, the title, the uh, the front cover advertised article, which was 129 ways to get a husband. So I'll be sharing that. So tune in tomorrow morning. I think it counts. I yeah. think it's valid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, after this, I'm going to apply for work at the Stop. nearest fishing yeah, yeah, shop. That's right. BCF, there you go, Mon. And you okay. will find a person right then and there. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, yes. Our quiz. Uh, what creature am I? Uh, we are up to clue number four. Okay. Um, God cursed this creature so that it had to eat dust all the days of its life. I've never met an animal that eats dust. Yeah. Is this like like a symbolic kind of, you know, eat, or does it actually eat dust? I don't think it eats dust. I don't it, think it, it eats dust in the way that we would say eat dust. Yeah, eat dirt. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what creature was cursed by God? Is this the only well, somebody creature? somebody bit the dust. Yeah, that's right. Is this the only creature that was ever cursed by God? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think when it said it had to eat dust all the day of its life, I think because it ended up not having any legs or wings and it had to wheel around on the ground. So there's another little clue. For you. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about, Mon? What are you talking you think about? about? You think I give away clues? Look, that's because I can see all the clues before you can see all the clues. So I know what clues are coming up, and the next clue, which is the last clue, doesn't really have anything to do with the physicality of this creature. So that's why I can give away some extra clues because okay. I'm the clue master, while not you. You know, I do know an animal that fits your category and that literally eats Eats dirt. Yeah, me too. And it's the wrong one. It's not the one that lives uh, underground with like, well, I guess... Okay, okay. You're gonna give it away to you. Just like, stop, 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 stop talking. Don't say anything. <laughs> Who's shushing who now? Huh? <laughs> oh, how the tables of shushing have turned. <laughs> okay, maybe we should get back to our Bible study. We're talking maybe about we Peter sticking all his limbs in his mouth again. Yes. Okay, so let's go back to Acts chapter 15, and let's continue reading here in Acts chapter 15 and find out how did they sort this out. You've got James who's obviously very staunch Mm -hmm. about um, being Jewish and the necessity of being Jewish. He's sent um, you know, representatives up to to Antioch to sort out the problem. By the way, um, during the break, somebody texted in a message, um, a question that said, why do people still uh, circumcise their babies, their sons? Um, I think that's a pretty good question, and I think we might answer it for question of the day tomorrow. Yeah, why not? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. If you have any questions, by the way, if you're listening to this show and you're like, do you know what? I have a question about this study, this Bible study that Lyle and Mon are showing on air. Just text us that question. We love getting questions. Uh, interrupt us all you want. Our texting number is zero. 0491064669 0491064669 Text us any question you like Or send it through on any of our social medias Yeah And uh, we will pick up those questions there We will put them out there And we will answer them online Okay Mon why don't you continue reading for us From verse 3 in chapter 15 please Verse 3 says, I can find it. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too (coughs) were to be converted. 
When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted that Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between them and us, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Okay, let's stop there. Okay. All right, so here you've got the whole discussion. And you can imagine this is the first general church council that was ever held. They've all got together. The delegates have arrived. And, they, and the Bible says a long discussion. You can imagine how they would be going backwards and forwards with very well-prepared arguments on both sides. Yeah. This is not the kind of thing that you come to without doing a lot of deep, earnest, prayerful study in mm-hmm. preparation for. Absolutely. And after doing deep, earnest, prayerful study, you have two groups. The church is polarized. It is split straight down the middle. You've got those who say, yes, Gentiles need to be circumcised, and those who say, no, Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. And so you can imagine the you know the level of passion that would have arisen from both sides as you know one side stands up and says their piece, then another side stands up and says their piece, and then another, you know, and it goes backwards and forwards, and everybody has their chance to speak. And eventually, after everybody has spoken, it seems that Peter gets up and talks about his experience of the Holy Spirit falling on uncircumcised Gentiles. And it's like, okay, how are you going to answer this one? And it seems to be at this particular point that um, you know they, they all fall silent. And so James stands up to deliver the sentence, the outcome of this particular church council. Now, this is interesting because James was obviously somebody who was very, very much in favor of circumcision. They have to be Jews. If they're not Jews, they can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm. This was James's position. Uh, James has called this church council. He's the one who sent uh, people up to Antioch to try and suss out what was going up there. He's trying to get um, you know to rein in this this slippery slope that they seem to be standing on, where they're just you know completely sliding down into oblivion. So it seems, where you know sooner or later, horror of horrors, Gentiles might even outnumber Jewish people within the Christian church. And so here we've got James, and and, and this is where I really, really um, appreciate James. Yeah, Because he stands up and he says, you know, Peter has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles, take out of them a people after his name to disagree the words of the prophets, um, etc., etc. In verse 19 he says, Wherefore my sentence is, so here's his sentence, that we trouble not those which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But we write to them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, in other words, from idolatry, from fornication, uh, from things strangled, and from blood. This is very, very simple what James says, and what is significant is what he leaves out. 
Circumcision has nothing to do with a person coming to Christ. And so here you've got James, the leader of the church, a man with tremendous responsibility who has called this church council. He's listened to both sides of the argument. And during that process, he has completely changed his view. This is a great example to how people should behave when they realize they're wrong. Yes. And they need to stand up and say, This would have taken a lot of humility Mm -hmm. on his part. Now, we know that there are a lot of people who disagreed with it, and we will continue to talk about that tomorrow and how the early church you know, dealt with uh, division within its midst. However, we need to move on with this morning. So this is the Ball Brothers. the Savior leading I was drawn to what I could not understand And for the cause of Christ I have spent my days believing What He'd have me be is who I am As I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul Mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go I'm not gonna let you slip away You don't have to be afraid Mercy said no save us from the cross he built a bridge to set us
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Welcome back, guys. That was Jeremy Camp with Gimme Jesus here on Faith FM, and Vaughn is over here just about dying I'm from dying. laughter this as she's working her way through what was 125, 129 ways to uh, to get a husband, and I'm only up to 73, and I'm like rolling on the floor <laughs> laughing myself silly. This was written in 1958. Uh, 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 Some of it is deeply sexist, you, 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 but it's so funny. You need to read this one, Mon. This might this might solve all of your problems. Look, I'm, I'm already find taking a, find notes. A husband. I'm already take, there was number. Look, let me share number 72 with you don't whine girls who whine stay on the vine <laughs> well this is actually a valid thing you know what's good advice when it rhymes lyle <laughs> that's the hallmark of sound advice if it comes in go. rhyming couplets you're down all right before we do our question of the day we do have um a request that's coming for somebody who would like for, like some prayer so we're going to pray um just very briefly for this person we're not going to mention her name on air uh but she's having trouble with her hearing aids okay so let's, let's do pray. it Father, we pray that you'll be with this person in a very special way. We pray that you'll bring healing to her. We pray that you'll bring hearing to her. And we pray that you'll guide her with her hearing aids and with the medical professionals that are uh, taking care of that situation, that she'll be able to hear and, above all, hear your word. We commit it to you, to your hands at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you have any prayer requests, give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, of course, so we can pray for you. Let me give you the last clue for our quiz, Lyle. Yes. Um, okay, so... What creature am I? Eve was deceived by this creature. Okay, there you yeah, go. Straight to the point. Okay. <coughs> You've got to have the right word. The right word, that's right, yeah. Okay, question of the day. Lyle, how – whoops, hang on. Let me just switch on my camera. How do I build faith? Okay, Mon, do you go to the gym? I do. And when you go to the gym, what do you build? Um – Tears. <laughs> I build muscle. You build muscles. Okay, so you build faith in exactly the same way. You build faith by exercise. The Bible says that, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so faith is built around evidence. You don't build faith just on, on nothing. There's no such thing as blind faith. Blind faith is nothing more than foolishness. Blind faith is, you know, denying reality. And so the important thing to do to build faith is to, uh, to, to study, to look for evidence, to uh, substantiate what it is that you are believing in, um, to practice that faith, and, you know, go to a faith gym. Start exercising your faith. Faith gym, I like that. Yeah, I absolutely. Like that. You know, Jesus says in Malachi chapter 3 um, and verse 10, he says, test me now with this. In other words, put me to the test and see if I won't pour out, you know, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you won't be able to receive it. And so step out in faith and put God to the test. He invites us to do so. There is nothing wrong with this. And what you'll find is that the more that you practice your faith, the more it will grow, the more it will develop, the more it will become a part of your life. So the first way that you're going to do this is to study the Bible. As you study the Bible, the Bible authenticates itself. As you do so, you're going to find challenging questions that are going to come up. And so you're going to find the answers to those within the Bible. You're also going to find the answers to those by being a part of a faith community where you can ask questions. And so this is another really important way of building your faith. So study the Bible, be a part of a faith community, um, put God to the test and surrender your life to God. Because unless you have actually tried exercising faith, then you really don't know whether it's going to work or not. Um, and so make a surrender to God and say, just God, okay, I'm just giving my life entirely to you and see if that makes um, your life a whole lot 
you know, more improved. Make that full and total surrender to God and you will be uh, blessed. So put these things into practice and practice your faith every day. Practice trusting in God every day and your faith will strengthen and grow. I mean, God even um, has a, a, a Bible promise in the, that he um, actually asks us to test him on, right? There's like one particular Bible promise where he says, you know, test me on this, test me. I was just see. reading that one. Yeah, it's really Malachi good. Malachi 3.10. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that one's in relationship to tithes and offerings. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that, yes, this is a, uh, a powerful, powerful way to, uh, to see the evidence of God's power in your life. Well, thank you so much, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Uh, our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. We love fielding your questions and we will answer them on question of the day. Of course, tomorrow's questions already come in, so we can maybe answer something on Monday for you. But for now, we are going to listen to Andrew Peterson with Is He Worthy? And we'll be back with our giveaway. So stay tuned. Get your phones ready. The first person through will get our free giveaway.
Welcome back, guys. That was Andrew Peterson with Is He Worthy? Here on Faith FM, we have come to the end of our show and we have a testimony to give away. Yes, it's a story uh, by Nick Yeah, the guy with no arms and legs, right? That guy. Okay, Yeah, exactly. Your life without limits. I've actually met him, ran into him in Darling Harbour in Sydney. He's a really friendly, great guy. And uh, this is a story about his life, uh, his life without any um, limbs, essentially. Yeah, so he was born that way. He was born that way. And so he's written uh, written a number of books. No Um, arms, no legs. That's right. Um, And he's just done so much. And he's a motivational speaker around the world. He's a Christian, um, clings closer to God. Really great story. So this book is about living above your circumstances. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond and so this is a little bit about his story you know as a teenager how he wondered if he'd ever have a normal life and so forth and how he ended up you know going through school jobs relationships um didn't want to be a burden to others although he went through some dark places you know he contemplated suicide for a while um but this is a you know about his rise above it so this is a wonderful book really heartening and motivational mm-hmm. and uh, and really shows us you know and just a truly awesome human being yeah, yeah. So he has he has another book called Unstoppable, which I really recommend as well. But you can get a copy of this book. Just call us now. Our number is one eight hundred Faith FM one 843 First person to get through will get a copy of this book sent to them for free. Okay, and don't forget if you'd like to know more about the Bible, then give us a call and uh, we can make that happen. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. We love to connect people with the Bible. So if you'd like to study one on one, if you'd like to study in a small group setting, if you would like to study by correspondence or online, we can make all of those arrangements for you right here at Faith FM. And uh, we, yeah, just encourage you to get out there. And if you'd like to do my Bible course, which is called the Prophetic Code then give us a call and we can make that happen as well for free. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. We, of course, will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. In the meantime, you have a blessed day.